Hello everyone, thank you for joining us here at the Mockingbird Cinema tonight. I am Gemma Kinzer, I am the host of the Monday Media Podcast and this is one of the first ever events we've done live which is very cool and exciting and I'm very happy and honoured that the first ever event we're doing with a Q&A is with the amazing team behind Cosmos. So thank you very much. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you for having us. Thank you for everybody for being here. It's great to see everyone. Please, could you introduce yourselves and tell us who you are and what your journey was into filmmaking? Sure, absolutely. Well, I'm Elliot Weaver. Um, this is my brother Xander Weaver. Um, and uh, our journey into filmmaking started very young. Uh, we both fell in love with uh, movies when we were kids, as I, I guess most people do. And we were actually out on a family outing somewhere once upon a time I was probably about three and I think oh no I was about five you were three and we stopped off at a pub and our dad said when we get home do you want to make a film and we were like what I don't understand what that means you know and he was like fine okay you know uh, we'll figure it out when we get home and we went home and in our bedroom which we shared as boys we got our home video camera and we just made a little 50 second short film which was like our little toys moving around you know a bit like toy story basically it was about two brothers that fell asleep at night and when they did their toys came alive it was before toy story but you know <laughs> it's kind of a, a story as old as time isn't it for, for little kids and yeah as i said i was about five and xander was three and that little seed idea of filmmaking and seeing it you know played on the tv it just sewed itself in our heads and we fell in love with movies and making movies and that's kind of all we did our entire childhood we just would borrow our parents home video camera and make films with our little action men and then slowly we made films with our school friends and then when we were in high school we made music videos for our friends with bands and it just snowballed really and and here we are and find ourselves i'm 32 and about to be 32 xander's 29 and here we are where did the idea behind the film come from because i'm getting a very like stranger things vibe from it is would was Stranger Things one of your inspirations? Uh, Stranger Toy Things, Story? Yeah, well, Toy Story is an inspiration to everyone, I think. Yeah, so Stranger Things wasn't out when we uh, when we started writing uh, Cosmos, but we were inspired by the things that inspired Stranger Things. So Stranger Things is like a very Amblin, which is Steven Spielberg's company. Uh, in the 80s, he made all a whole host of movies like uh, The Goonies and E.T. and lots of adventure movies for young people. And that inspired Stranger Things, and that's brought about like a resurgence in that kind of movie but when we came up with the idea for Cosmos Stranger Things wasn't out so we wanted to try and you know we dreamt all of our lives of making a feature film finally and we wanted the first movie that we made to be a bit of a love letter to that era of cinema that we really enjoyed growing up but before we made Cosmos we made a series of documentaries about space about NASA between 2012 and 2016 so it overlapped with the production of Cosmos and we were just like, we were so in awe. It was all about the Apollo program, so missions to the moon and all these space scientists and engineers and astronauts. And we just, we thought they were really cool. But like the astronauts uh, get all the glory because, you know, they are amazing. But like the ground crew back in mission control, they were, they were really level-headed. They were really smart. And they were just very cool under pressure. And, and we thought, actually, wouldn't it be really cool to tell a story about scientists that doesn't kind of portray them in a bit of a nerdy fashion but shows them as the kind of real heroes that they are really so we tried to pull some of the stuff that we'd seen in this amazing footage from the apollo era and push it into cosmos and go like well when things kick off how are they going to handle it um that was kind of part of the inspiration really 
And what was the whole process? Because like I said, it was literally just you guys. You had to do the pre-production, the actual production, post-production, and then like market it. Literally had to do like everything at once. Like, you know, like Mr. Tickle with all the different arms coming out. very up. much like that. <laughs> um, so when we both left school, as, as we've said, and in fact, as it says in the film, uh, that short film that we showed at the beginning, we always knew we wanted to make a feature film at some point and go down that path. And when, when Xander left school in 2009, we wrote a script and we were like, okay, do we, do we do what we know we should do, which is write a script that we know we can make where we are based off you know, our experience and our resources, or do we do, do we do that thing that we know we shouldn't do, which is write the movie we would like to see and cross that bridge later. And obviously, we wrote the movie we wanted to see, and we did have to cross that bridge later, and we were talking to finance people, and we worked for about three years on a film called Encounter, which was a much more ambitious sci-fi movie. And we were talking to financial investment, and we had crew. We actually had um, the, uh, the visual, visual effects company Double Negative, that at the time, they'd just won the Oscar for Inception. They were attached to the film. We were having actors, agents phone us up, and the financial people were like, this is great. It's very exciting. The only problem is you guys are like 21 and 19 and you've never done this before. And we were reasonable guys going like, yeah, you know, if we had that, we needed $5 million, uh, five million pounds at the time for the budget. It's kind of snowballed when Double Negative got involved and we got very excited, but then it just became this massive project. And they were like, this is great. The only problem is you guys have never done this before. And we were like, that's very reasonable. You know, if I had five million quid, I probably wouldn't give it to me either. And we just got so frustrated, quite frankly, that a lot of these business people were going, I don't think you can do this, that we just went, you know, in a very sort of hot-headed moment, sod it, let's put this film on, on the shelf, let's write something else that we can, you know, that we can bash out in like 12 months, and we can slide a Blu-ray across the table and go, look, see, you know, we can write a script and we can deliver it, and we didn't cock it up, let's get back to it. And that ended up being a five-year journey with Cosmos and we wrote a film that was very contained you know we followed all the rules that we should have done in the first place minimal cast contemporary story set over one night contained in a car you know we looked at what we had available we had lots of computer screens lying around from video editing that was our dad's car at the time and we just went well you know can we set a movie in a car overnight a bit like a submarine movie you know contain it and it's all headphones and people looking at monitors I reckon we can do this and, and that's what we set about doing. And we thought we could do it pretty quickly, but we wanted very stubbornly to not have anything taken away from us. We, we, we wanted to slide this DVD back across the table and not you know, someone go, well, it doesn't look that way. It only looks that way because you got someone to shoot it. It only you know, is well cut because you got an editor to cut it. That's not because of you as directors. So we became very stubborn and went, right, we're gonna do as much of this as possible so that People can look at it and go, okay, we, we know where you stand as filmmakers. But like most things that you pour your heart and soul into, we very quickly fell in love with the film. We fell in love with the guys that we were working with. And we often said while making the film, and indeed still say, that if someone would have come along and said, hey, here's that five million quid, we'd have gone, we're, we're good actually, thank you. We love what we're doing now. This is, it went from being a film that was a vehicle to try and get another film off the ground into actually something that we fell in love with and we would never have traded, traded away. So um, the one thing that we learned from the process is that the team that you 
have around you and if you're passionate about what you're doing you're really doing something you love it doesn't really matter what scale or you know you're working on or, or how quickly you're doing it i think so but you also asked about uh what it was like to kind of do everything so uh, the crew the crew for cosmos um for 80 percent of the filming was three three people that was elliot myself and our mom as you saw every film needs an on-set mom we say and we had three main casts we had a fourth cast member who joined us right at the very end and occasionally we'd have some friends who'd come and they'd help us with things like they'd do some smoke for us or they'd put some lights up and we had the composer of the music in post-production chris davy did a fantastic job and we worked really closely with him but it was a tiny tiny team we hope that people who kind of stumble across cosmos from a filmmaking perspective look at it and and go well actually like maybe i don't want to make a feature film but i want to make a short film you know if they can make a feature with a handful of people i could make a short i think i'd advise now looking back maybe try and get a little bit of money because it will help move things forwards um you know it took us five years and it doesn't really need to but if you're finding that that's a hindrance and you're finding that people are saying no no you can't do this you can't do that well just grab your camera and, and go do it because you can actually do that now but yeah it was all just it was very homemade like it was it was just us <laughs> it's hard to explain how weird a process that really was to to go through but uh, we, we made it which is cool i mean looking just from the trailer and actual it looks absolutely amazing like you wouldn't think that there was like a low budget behind it and as filmmakers we have to sacrifice a lot t for it to become the outcome we'd want it to become in the end it's essentially you know we do have to go through a lot to then get to where we are today and it's like with the world we're living in now like trying to work within the film industry it is one of those things where you have to just go out and do it yourselves because like you will get people saying no and everything so if you can go out and pick up a camera and then just go out and create and then people will start seeing what you're doing it's like ah that's what you're about so when you say like no budget like like what's your secret how do you make a film with like no budget i've gone and done a 90 second film and the most i spent on that was just like for a pack of baby wipes to clean up the fake blood at the end so i understand what you mean by like no budget because like you know i'm like i'm broke so you know um but no so yeah what's your secret how do we produce a film to look like that with like like i said like with just um money to just pay for your pack of baby wipes yeah well in that case it was digestive biscuits that <laughs> was uh, <coughs> where our budget went our actor Josh on the right, he loves digestive biscuits. So he discovered a love for digestive biscuits making Cosmos. I don't know what the secret is really. I think uh, one thing that we did a lot when we were when we were younger is we would watch. I know this sounds really obvious, but we would watch movies like, but not just watch them and go, oh yeah, cool, that was great. Like pause them and look at the lighting and go like, what have they done? I've just shot something in my garden and it doesn't look anything like that. What? Why? What's the difference? So, I think like a huge amount of cosmos can be contributed to basically uh, analyzing like filmmakers because the reality is like you can pause any frame in a movie and you can copy how they did it you can just go okay well it looks like i can see a light in their eye there i can see the shadow moving across their face from that direction they've put something <coughs> over there and i like the color of it um so let's let's try and copy that style and also it's set at night and i think that really helps like cover up the low production value you know you can hide a lot of stuff in the darkness and with some creative lighting you get some color in there from computer screens and put some moonlight up and all this stuff and suddenly you can sculpt 
something to look a bit more high production value than it is. I think if it was set in the day, it would look a, a bit more low budget yeah. and you probably see all the dodgy parts of the, the tables that we built. I don't know if you want to say anything. Yeah, I, I'd agree. I think, the, I think actually in filmmaking in general, a lot of people talk about cameras and not enough people talk about lighting. You know, lighting is the, the secret source that a lot of, basically a lot of camera manufacturers don't want you to know about. <laughs> so they'll bring out a brand new camera, Sony will bring out a brand new camera, Ari will bring out a brand new camera, and you bought a camera last year, and the camera that they told you was good enough last year is now not good enough this year, when in reality, what directors of photography get paid to do is light, that's their skill. And if you study lighting, if you watch movies and you turn them black and white on your monitor or you watch black and white movies, you'll very quickly see there are patterns in lighting that sort of movies will do that television doesn't do because television doesn't have the time to do or the money to do. And that's one of those reasons why, you know, for example, like Doctor Who, which I love, Doctor Who is shot on the same camera that like Bond is shot on, but they don't look the same. Like we love how Doctor Who looks, it works to its audience. But, but why does Doctor Who not look like a $100 million movie when it's shot on exactly the same camera? And it's not the camera and it's not the lenses, it's the lighting. So if you want to learn how to, I mean, what we did when we made Cosmos is we just sat and looked at our favorite movies. We looked at submarine movies. We looked at film noir. We looked at Spielberg. We looked at these adventure movies and we went, okay, lots of color, lots of bold lighting. And you can just sort of copy and learn. And I think if anyone's going to, if you're going to focus on anything as a filmmaker, it's lighting. And actually, the principles of lighting, whether you're lighting a massive street with cranes and HMIs, and, you know, blasting down the street, or you're lighting someone at, an, at a desk, the principles of lighting and the physics of lighting are the same. So you don't need to be working on a Star Wars movie. If you can't, there's a really good book, actually, about lighting. And the director of photography is a legend. I think it's Jack Cardiff, isn't it? And he basically says, when you can light an orange with a desk lamp and make it look like a billiard ball, you can light an actor's face. That's basically the job of the DOP. And you can sit with your desk in your, uh, in your bedroom or at home, and you can learn lighting with your phone. And that's what made Cosmos. I think that's the best thing we did with Cosmos is we, we invested time in learning how to light. Speaking about with the same with lighting, I think the same would also go for audio as well. Yeah. Because yeah. when it comes with audio, like you could film something that looks really cinematic and amazing, but if the audio isn't good Absolutely. enough, then it could not look as good. And having that worry of not achieving the outcome you'd want to achieve, did you ever have that thought cross your minds, like knowing that you didn't have? the same budget as like a Star Wars film or anything, did you ever worry about not being able to achieve the outcome you want to achieve? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was something we paid a lot of attention, a lot of attention to. And sound is perhaps the uh, period of post-production that we spent most time on, and you're 100% right. And it's interesting, again, you can find like found footage movies like Blair Witch Project that have really poor visual imagery quality it's part of their texture but it's not great or paranormal activity or whatever but the sound is spot on and you couldn't have the alternative you couldn't have a Chris Nolan IMAX spectacle with really poor mono crackly sound audiences just wouldn't accept it so you're 100% right there and actually I think that was our one area where we were like okay we can we can shoot this we can think we can direct it and write it I think the area that we had to invest most in learning was sound, particularly like doing a 5.1 mix, which we 
we've learnt our way through doing and all these sorts of things and there were times when we would put our head in our hands and go oh god you know we're not gonna I don't know how to do this I mean Xander taught himself visual effects there are about 170 visual effects shots in the movie and Xander did those all single-handedly over about 18 months and most of them are invisible visual effects that you would never see um, so like correcting continuity of the computer screens and like popping a screen in that you you know that didn't quite match uh, pretty much all the night exteriors by the car the sky replacement of tree lines and stars and all that stuff and Xander did all that um, and that was a way of us adding a lot more production value to make it feel like the world was bigger because in reality we only had three LED panel lights and you know six foot away was just blackness darkness just straight off into the back of shot so we wanted to add a bit more depth and that was something that Xander just was like I'm 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 going to bullheadedly learn my way through this and I'm going to watch tutorials and learn how to do it and at the end with the dishes if anyone's seen the movie that's all visual effects and you know some people know it's visual effects but then some people we spoke to a guy who's a space scientist that works in space science in the UK and he was like well I know that's not in England because we don't have any dishes we don't have those kind of resources here where did you shoot that and we were like those are not real and he was like oh I literally did not know that you know I thought you'd film that in America or something so talk about the sound a bit more because Elliot Elliot basically took <laughs> took uh, control of the sound on the film in post-production and that involved uh, how many months was it it was 18 months 18 months of uh, post sound and he went through a stretch several weeks where he was recording all the uh, all the foley sound effects so uh, if you're not aware any every sound effect in a movie that's not dialogue is 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 removed so on location they'll film it and they'll record sound but if it if when they get into the edit anything that's not dialogue they'll just get rid of it immediately and then every single sound effect whether it's a mouse click on the computer keyboards jackets running breathing whatever that's all added later so uh, that was Elliot's job and I think we've got about 60,000 different individual sound effects in the movie and he spent like he spent several weeks uh, we live right next to quite a busy road so you started to you started to record these sounds and you're like, we've got a problem here, Xander, because I keep hearing the cars drive past in the background. So then we decided that this was going to have to happen during the, the middle of the night because it's going to be quiet. So we built a little tent uh, out of, you know, duvets and blankets. And uh, between like 12 in the morning and 5 in the morning, Elliot spent several weeks just recording sounds, turning into, yeah, going a bit crazy, turned into like a, a goblin. Yeah you know didn't see I the daylight yeah yeah yes yeah. so it hasn't quite <laughs> recovered yet but yeah put so much effort into that and uh, you're absolutely right about the sound it kind of enhances the visuals and uh, it's just so critical so yeah that was that was quite a big it thing. gives it that polish but particularly if you watch any b-rolls on youtube or anything of avengers and you can hear like chris hemsworth squeaking in his rubber suit you're like hang on a minute something <laughs> happens here between when they're on set and when I watch it at the cinema and you know as you all know anyway being filmmakers it's it's sound but that was one of those areas where I think we 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 were like we could we could drop the ball here if we don't if we don't pay enough attention to sound and and really I think the reason why the film took so long and didn't have to take as long as it did but it did is because we were really really stubborn about this idea of proving what we knew about filmmaking and basically being prepared to go to ridiculous lengths to ensure a level of production value that you can buy. You know, if you raise a Kickstarter budget, you can make a movie like Cosmos. It's not impossible, but to do it with no money, 
you can't turn to professionals and go hey can you furlough my film for me because they'll go yeah that'll be 30 grand and you go okay uh we don't have that money yeah the stubbornness and the attention to detail i think we've, we've invested that time and, and people are now enjoying the film and complimenting us on it and, and i think it just comes down to like a refusal to accept low not low standards but to let things slip that normally on our previous we work work we might have gone oh well you know that's all right when it comes to having something to prove i think all of us in here kind of have that in the back of our mind being like oh but you know I've, i just want to prove it i mean at the end of the day you've got nothing to prove like you can go out and create whatever you want and you don't have to prove someone wrong or please everyone you can just like just go out and do it because you enjoy doing it and again like when it comes to when mentioned in the film about everyone on set there they weren't like oh well at the end of the day if it's been a hard day you know at least I'm getting paid but it wasn't about that it was about because you were all there because you love filmmaking and that's why we're all here today because we all love filmmaking so I could talk for England I've got a load more questions in here but I'm going to pass it over to the lovely audience to ask all of their questions Please fire away and um, shout. It's been recorded. So, yeah, what we're doing at the moment is um, we are in kind of the wake of the release. We've got some more things happening with Cosmos. It's going to come to some different platforms and all sorts of stuff like that. But what we're doing now is we're going back to Encounter and we're working on the script, we're trying to make it better because we did write it you know, 10 years ago and we think it can be a better story now. But we're also developing new ideas, putting together pitch documents because through the process of making uh, Cosmos, we've crossed paths with people and they have told us that we could try different routes. So for example, we know a guy out in Los Angeles and he has recently pitched to Amblin, which is, uh, like I said, Steven Spielberg's company and you know, it's kind of our dream to work for them. And he's been uh, greenlit, he's our age, he's now writing a script for them and he's gonna direct. And he said, you just gotta, you've got Cosmos. If you've got any other ideas, so Encounter would be one of them, put, put a pitch together and get out there and start pitching. So that's the kind of, in the next six months, the plan is to get back out to America and, uh, and, and try and see if we can get some interest but it's a different kind of environment out there in terms of like movies because it's a real real industry like the britain has a, a thriving film industry but like it's more focused on the crewing and the post-production we don't really have like heavyweight production companies really not compared to america so we'd like to just jump in there and see what happens don't know whether it'll be a success but it's worth a shot isn't it you've got to try so we'll see Well, we might have to answer that together. What do you think? Um, maybe some extra help. Yeah, yeah. Probably like just maybe just an additional member of the crew um, because we did everything. You know, we were there with the mic and the recorder and, you know, and I think going into that, we were like, well, we've done that on our shorts. You know, uh, we've done 10 minute shorts. We've only got to do that 12 times and you've made a 120 minute feature. It kind of isn't the same which is, you know, people used to say that to us. They'd be like, well, it's just the same. And we're like, yeah, it's just the same. And then, like, the, the, the momentum and the, the fatigue that sets in after, like, 30 days, you're just like, we could really just do with offloading some stuff here, which is, I guess, why movies have massive crews, because, you know, they're hard but to make. But, yeah, I would say that. And also maybe something... 
Maybe make it a bit shorter. Yeah. You know, it was a 90, it was a 100 page script. Oh yeah, that was it. So we were like, oh, in all the script writing books, it's one page, one minute. Well, again, we didn't find that. We found that it was about one and a half pages a minute. We're writing a slightly shorter screenplay knowing that, you know, you want to draw some moments out and you want to add a little bit of mood here or, you know, slow the dialogue down here and there. And that one page, one per minute ratio didn't really work for us. And then we were looking at other screenplays and looking at other movies and going, oh wow, okay, you know, that ratio is more of a theoretical script writing ratio rather than a practical thing. So yeah, I, I, I think we maybe trim down some of the script and just make it a bit tighter. Going off that question, what would you approach differently when coming, when making Cosmos? Is there anything you would have done differently or I mean to be fair the outcome is absolutely amazing like so it, mean, it basically means like everything happens for a reason. In terms of like the movie I think we're really really proud of it and very happy with it I think everybody looks at their work and goes like oh actually I'd probably tweak that or or whatnot because I think if you're not looking at your own work and going I think I could do that a little bit better then then you should be a bit worried because you've kind of stopped challenging yourself oh yes I've reached the top of the mountain I'm well we should just give up now you know um, <laughs> So, uh, yeah, there are little things here and there. Like El said, we'd probably tighten it a little bit. But we we also kind of have the belief that uh, we like movies that you kind of sink into and you, and, you, and you get to know characters. And when things all start kicking off, it really means something. You know, a lot of movies these days are super fast and they get going and it's great because it hooks you. But at the end of it, you kind of feel a little bit empty, like you haven't really connected with that kind of human side of the story. So with Cosmos... We, although I would try and tighten it, it would be well, tough yeah. because it's filled with character, and yeah, I think it means something because you get to sit in that car with them for like the first half an hour of the movie, and you're going, "What's going to happen?" And you know, "Oh, there's a problem here between these two guys," and maybe whatever. Let's see what happens. So, one of our tips would be like contact writers because people just ignore them. Nobody wants to talk to writers on Twitter. Everyone wants to talk to actors. Everyone wants to talk to directors. Everyone wants to talk to producers. Nobody cares about writers so they're just sitting there going like you know I was involved as well like I can give you the benefit of my experience so we spoke to a, a few writers and they were like yeah I'll absolutely have a Skype with you and tell you you know what I learned and what I know and um, we were talking to him and he was like oh you know I, I really like it but I think you could trim it down a little bit and we were like oh okay maybe 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 and then you know again one of the things we learned was like you can't trim plot because if you trim plot then the story doesn't make sense so you have to trim character. And then if you start trimming character, then what's the point of the movie, really? Like, we're in a luxurious position being independent filmmakers to not have to appeal to a demographic or not have to appeal to a studio, like, mandate that it must be this long and it must tick all these boxes and be for this audience, you know? So actually, I think when you're making indie movies, you're aspiring to be like the industry, but actually the big industry is hamstrung by all the big budgets and they have to get their money back and they actually yearn for the freedom to, particularly the directors and the writers and the actors, they yearn for the freedom that the indie world has. So actually I think being true to your guns and going, well, it might not be for everyone, but do you know what, Sodom? Like, if they don't, there are lots of movies that I don't like that I just can't stand, but that doesn't make them bad movies. That just means they're not for me. So. Cosmos might not be for everybody, and that's totally cool because that's what makes cinema so varied. And but for those people that it is for, hopefully they'll enjoy that sort of slow night of astronomy. You know, it would be actually unrealistic for three amateurs to turn up on a hill one night and suddenly find aliens. Like they've wait wait their whole life for this sort of thing. So you want to sort of sink into it and 
get that boredom and get that slow pace of life, you know, so. I mean, it's like that famous supermarket saying, every little helps. Absolutely. So exactly. <laughs> um, not just for supermarkets. No, I always see like the media industry as like a climbing ladder. So you got to start from the bottom to make your way to the top. Mm. So, and I feel like every little achievement, it's just like one step up. Like, I don't think anyone always like ever says that they're at the top of the ladder. I think everyone always sees that they're just, they're still going up the ladder every time. Probably even like the big names in the industry probably think that as well. Um, so no, is there any more questions? Oh, hello. <laughs> Yeah, funny story. Um, <laughs> so our mom was uh, continuity for us. She did a brilliant job. She monitored all the costume and everything. She did the hair, trimmed the beards and everything. And we did some filming. So we started filming in the September of uh, 2015. And uh, we did like, a, I don't know what it was, 20, 20 day stretch or something, something like that. that. I don't know. And then we went off for Christmas, and uh, we, we planned to shoot in January. First of January, we were going to get straight back on to the, to the movie. Tom on the left there, far left, he likes Christmas because he likes to have a good old, uh, well, drink. he likes to have a, lo a lot to drink and a lot to eat. He treats himself, and then he has like a dry January, and he you know, detoxes and everything. So he came back in January, and he was, he was visually larger <laughs> than he was when he left. And we did some shooting. Um, some of the first stuff that we did was him like asleep in the car and by the end of the yeah by the end of the sh shoot the interior shoot he'd lost weight he'd kind of dieted and you know uh, he'd looked more like what he looked like before Christmas and so we were like Tom we're gonna we're thinking of just going back to the beginning to pick up those shots it, it's not you it's us it's the, the camera we it was out of focus we weren't really happy with it. he was like I look like a potato don't I <laughs> and we were like no and he was like I've seen the footage I I, I want you to reshoot <laughs> so anyway that was a funny little story he also had a problem with his trousers that was quite bizarre he it couldn't it kept size. changing size he couldn't fit into them and then he could anyway um, but for the most part, the continuity was uh, was really well handled. But there are some continuity errors in there, and uh, like all movies. But it, it was really just three filming blocks over 11 months. So we filmed in the September of 2015, we filmed in the January of 2016, and then we filmed like in the August. And we kept saying to the guys, like, Arjun, he did a job in America. And we were like, Arj, you're gonna, mate, you've got to wear a cap. Because like, you, uh, you know, he was like, I tan really quickly. And we were like, you've got to wear a cap, man. And then we were seeing photos of him on Instagram, like canoeing, and he's like not wearing a cap. And we're like, Arjun, what are you doing? You know, you're going to come back. And we had to, we had to actually detan him a little bit and all these sorts of things. But yeah, really the continuity, again, they're just wearing one set of clothes. It's set over one night. The vast majority of continuity was just make sure the stubble was the same length and, you know, make sure the sideburn boards were the same length. And, and that was about it, really. But we did take photographs and we did you know, do our best to, to be as diligent as possible. And all the all the the car interiors were filmed in a garage in January and all the exteriors were either in September or August the following year. So if people sort of get out of a car and then you see them out and about, that's a that is a three month jump. So we were there are times sometimes when you can see like hairs slightly different length or whatever. But on the whole we, we got away with anything serious like forgetting to not put his glasses on or you know, anything like that. But yeah, just being diligent, basically following the normal rules that filmmaking, filmmakers use, like continuity photographs and 
and uh, the, 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 all these clothes were the guys' clothes, so we were like, please don't shrink your t-shirts in the wash, you know, set them aside in your bedroom, keep your jeans clean, don't lose your jacket, and all that sort of thing, so perhaps Steven Spielberg doesn't have to put up with that, but uh, <laughs> that was part of this filmmaking process. I mean, continuity, it's just, it's another one of those things like lighting and audio, it's probably, not the word underrated, but it's like one it of the is. things that's probably not thought about to be as important, yeah. but then when you go in, because like there's even, like there's YouTubers now that have channels like dedicated to yeah. finding continuity, Absolutely. so you kind of don't want your film to be in there to be like, oh no. It's tricky actually, I mean again, the majority of the film, 70% of the movie is set in the car, so we filmed the car uh, sequence about 30 days, and we filmed that in, in order. You know, we, we did it in as much continuity as possible. And, um, but yeah, the interesting thing about that, again, that you learn while cutting movies, cutting your film, is that yes, you know, continuity errors, you see them and you go like, well, you know, that orange juice has moved over there to there. And you think you've caught the editors out, and you think you've caught the directors out. But actually, they've obviously knowingly picked that take because Tom Hanks' performance is better. It's much, they would much rather Tom Hanks' performance is better, but the orange, cuff, orange juice has moved then, oh, the orange juice is still in the same place, but Tom Hanks fluffed his line. So again, there is like a long tier of priorities that you have when you're cutting, where you're like, well, you know, if people notice that his cap's moved, then maybe we've lost them already, and what's the point, you know? We'll, we'll try and prioritize that performance. But it was always fun to spot someone wearing a watch in ancient Rome or something. <laughs> yeah, because I think, uh, was it um, Game of Thrones, and they had yeah. still had a Starbucks <laughs> coffee cup in it. Oh, that was, that was hilarious. <laughs> that, there's no reason for that. I can't accept. I mean, it's one of those things. It's like obviously it's not supposed to be there, but it's funny. Like when you point it out yeah, afterwards. Yeah. So uh, I mean, funny for us, probably not for them. <laughs> um, so is there any more questions? Oh, hello. <laughs> So yeah, so the equipment, the camera gear, we freelanced before we made Cosmos. So um, we had a Blackmagic Pocket Cinema camera and tripod and all that kind of thing. I mean, you guys, I, I reckon you guys have got availability to equipment that is far better than what we used. Well <laughs> to be fair, we've... we've uh, sorry. <laughs> Speaking wow. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so uh, w yeah, we do use pocket cinema cameras, um, and we probably do have um, you know things that are significantly better. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm presuming you're going to say something along the lines of it doesn't matter really. Well, yeah, it doesn't. But I mean, to answer your question, like we uh, anything we didn't own, we either borrowed or we would purchase. So we bought a smoke machine because we couldn't we couldn't find one. Um, but it was worth it because it added a load of production value. Um, we used a wheelchair for a dolly, we had a slider, but getting that in the car meant that sometimes we had to prop it up on paint pots and stuff because it wouldn't quite fit. So there was like, there was equipment, you know, we didn't just shoot it on nothing, but, but it was still very like homemade, handmade solutions really. Um, yeah, I made the camera rig out of M MDF and, and copper pipes and, and things like that. Like Elliot said, costumes were all theirs. The car was ours. Locations were lent to us. We just paid for electricity if we used any. So, yeah, there was money spent on it. The, lamp um, the antenna, a dado lamp stand. Yeah, the those things he's got in his hand, that's a lamp stand upside down. Which every filmmaker goes, that's a dado lamp stand. <laughs> yeah, but, you know. uh, what else is the The, the telescope is that. a tripod tube and all, all stuff like that. Like, it's all just um, stuff we owned, really. So... When uh, well I remember we put up a thing online and it was like a little video. It said, no budget movie gets 
you know distribution or whatever and uh, loads of, some people in the comment were like well, what you know, no budget like where did they find the gear in a bin and uh, <laughs> <laughs> i was like well you know like yes there's money spent obviously collating equipment over years but like i said i reckon you guys have probably got uh, you can get your hands on stuff that's far better than what we use our black magic was just hd used a single tripod three led panel lights and smoke machine and slider audio, audio recorder yeah but yeah that's kind of all, all you need really i think um but yeah good question and yeah it's it, it, it is weird because i mean in my mind no budget is no financial support it's like uh, no one got paid locations weren't paid for props anything um according to the bfi uh i think no budget is technically 50 grand to 100 grand or maybe 50 grand to zero money no money at all it's, it's technically no budget i think micro budget is 50 to 100 low budget is 100 to a million so in in the real league of filmmaking it's like it is no budget and when you talk to people in the industry which we're now you know doing we're talking to people and sending it off and you know people are going well you know what what do you what do you mean like no budget and we're explaining to them and you can see this look on their eyes where they're just going in their world it's impossible it's not possible to make a film and not pay anybody and not not have any money to spend on food or whatnot so the reality as well is that like it, it obviously cost us we may not have spent money on it but we've spent a hell of a lot of time on it. So like that was time we weren't working, for example. So so that was a cost and that needs to be recouped from, from the movie and it, and it will be. But uh, for us, it wasn't made for money. It was made because we want to make a movie and we want to take that next step. And uh, that, was, that was the goal, really. We'll see what happens. I'll have to let you know. <laughs> I mean, there's a saying that's like, you've got to spend money to make money. Yeah, one of them. But um, any more questions? Oh, hello. Yeah, cool. Uh, really good question. So uh, in terms of continuity, we actually did, not necessarily between blocks, but even within a block, we would, I remember distinctly on the interiors, we lit Mike, who's in the middle on his computer, a certain way right at the beginning. And towards the, well, maybe about a third into the block, we were like, actually, this looks really, this looks a lot better. So from then on, we would we would light it like that. So there was a learning process across the course of that. I mean, really, kind of the opposite that you'd imagine. We, we were very diligent at the beginning with sound, and actually we started to learn what we could get away with and you know what we couldn't get away with, but we started to like place the microphone on a table and instead of hand-holding it through a window, go, actually, you know, we will pick up the guys here and there. So actually we started to, with confidence, get a little bit sort of looser with things and go, we will be able to cover that. And The other question was... Directing it well, we're quite lucky because there's two of us. So I think again, we often talk about the fact that like, oh, we made this film on, on our own, and you know, there's two of us. So really, it's not like a single sort of director with a camera and a boom, and you know, sort of the Mr. Tickle situation. It is uh, we could divide those disciplines up between us. So I would tweak lights and position the mic, and Xander would be rigging the camera and 
talking to the um, actors. But actually, again, um, one thing I would say from my experience, and you know, we sit on YouTube and we watch interviews with people like Scorsese and Tarantino and Spielberg, and like trying to mine these gems of inspiration from them. And you know, one of the things that they would say, I remember watching a thing about Spielberg, and he was like, "Shoot, as a director, be on the camera." And he said, like, you know, a lot of directors are afraid to get on the camera because they're thinking they're not watching the performance. He said, but that's nonsense because if you're the one with the eye to the viewfinder, no one sees the performance better than you do, particularly in the old film days before, like, lots of on-set video monitoring and stuff. And actually, I would... <laughs> I'm going to agree with Spielberg <laughs> uh, for, for what it's worth. <laughs> uh, you know, I found that too, that actually, like, if I can stand there with a boom, you know, leaning round, kind of watching the performance while trying to listen to the sound and and actually still be able watch to watch the guys and go, that was great, Josh, but actually, can you just do it again a little bit slower or can you cheat your eye line this way or whatever? If you can spin all those plates, then hopefully, you know, as you progress up the ladder and someone's bringing you a coffee and you've got a whole team of people rigging sound and all you've got to do is sit there and go, that was great. I think it really builds your skills. Uh, we, we used to, our dad used to tell us a story about baseball players he wasn't American, but he knew this story about baseball players and how when they're warming up, like in the pit, they will take, or when they're in training, they will take like three baseball bats together and they'll swing and they'll swing and they'll swing and they'll train their body and their muscles to swing a heavier load than they ever have to. And then when they get out there on the pitching, whatever, on the dirt, and they've got one bat, they can just like rip it and smash the ball further than they've ever trained, you know, than their body's used to doing. And he used to say to us, he was like, boys, it's like swinging baseball bats. And that's what the whole experience of Cosmos was like. It was like doing, swinging a heavier bat than we ever hopefully will have to again. But now we're kind of, we've done a few directing bits and bobs since and we're going, this is, this is easier than it was on Cosmos when we had to, can you move that light? Oh, hang on, actually, I've got to go and do that. Take your headphones off and go and do it. So I don't know whether I've answered your question there, but I would say like, if you're thinking about spinning lots of plates, yeah, I think it makes you pretty formidable when you go up and you work with other crew and they're like, bloody hell, like, this guy's on it. Absolutely. You don't have to worry about anything else. Yeah. But there's, a great, there's another, sorry to interrupt, but there's another great story with Spielberg where he's on a job. I think he's on, um, no, always. And they're doing this. There's a great shot in Always where like this jumbo jet flies over through a window and the camera pans. Oh, oh no, it's not that. Anyway, it doesn't matter what the shot is. And the cameraman was struggling to get it. And it was like this, it was on the geared head and he was like, get it over and over and over and over again. And he was starting to sweat. And Spielberg was like, is everything, you know, is everything all right? And he was like, yeah, 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 just go again. And he was like, can I, <coughs> can I, you know? And he said, he watched, there's an interview with this cameraman and he said he watched Spielberg get on the dolly and get this shot perfectly first time and be like, like that and walk off and he thought bloody hell like I re major respect so I think if you are interested in being a director as well having like a technical backgrounding where you can you're not there to make people feel intimidated or do their job for them but if they respect you and go well I know you know what you're talking about then I think that probably goes a really long way I think what you're saying is to be able to like just focus on the job of a director to answer the questions and give people feedback and just do that will be wonderful. <laughs> I'll let you know if it is one day. <laughs> Maybe it's just as stressful. Probably, yeah. you probably know. No, yeah. Going off 
what you've just said. I feel like when you go to like employers for like job interviews, it's always good. I mean, I personally think when you go into a job interview, you want to be like, oh, I can work camera. I can also do audio. I want to do lighting. Because it's like if a manager ever walks into a room and he goes, right, I need someone to work on audio, but everyone in there is like a camera person. You want to be that person to go, oh, I can do it. So, you know, like, because it just, if you have like multi-skills and you're more versatile, I think that's the word. So it just means that you're skilled in all different areas. Obviously, not all of them being perfect, but it just means you've you're, you've got all of those skills and you can develop them. And I think it makes you more aware of like everything what's going on. So I think with being on the film for um, Cosmos, you had to like be aware of all of that. So so yeah. But no, is yeah. there um, any more questions? Thank you. Like, I wrote that sequence listening to Bonnie Tyler. So, I don't know whether any of you have seen Short Circuit 2. It's a film. Yeah, at the end, there's like an... Yeah, epic movie, right? I love it. And at the end, there's this great sequence with Bonnie Tyler music, and it's all counting down. And we, we love a good countdown sequence. So, when we were writing that, we were like, that's great music, and it really gets you in the vibe. And we will never use music like that. But, yeah, the ticking clock and the, the car chase. And we also thought it was sort of kind of cool that these everyday guys suddenly found themselves in a car chase and uh, I don't know you, you probably answer. yeah I was gonna say like I think I I I hope the reason that that's suspenseful is because you kind of give a damn like uh, a lot of stuff in movies sometimes you're like oh yeah it's suspenseful and then it's over and whatever you don't really care you're moving on and I think because Cosmos hasn't got a lot of stuff to play with it's just three guys in a car listening to space like when stuff kicks off it's like the contrast is huge and suddenly you're like whoa you know get there quick you know don't 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 let this go wrong uh so i hope that that part of what makes it kind of edge of your seat is that you you really care about these characters and hope that it works out for them um and we also like uh, kind of what elliot said we really like the idea that it's like this tiny small scale movie but it kind of like pretends it's a Hollywood movie. It's like there's a car chase, but they're in a Volvo and, you know, and they're not really driving that quickly. You know? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, quite, I think that's quite endearing about the movie, hopefully. But in terms of tips for that, I don't know, just put some, put some Bonnie Tyler on and uh, get typing. Clearly, that's the trick. Yeah, that's the trick. We also filmed all, this, all the car interior stuff, even if it was driving, was done in a garage, static. So we... Um, we shaped the camera a lot. We flashed a lot of light through the lens and just tried to make it as dynamic as possible, really. And then in order to get them weaving through the traffic, we obviously couldn't close roads or anything like that. So we actually filmed it on the roads around where we live. And the two actors, Tom and Arge, they came along in their cars and we, were, we went out really late at night, so there was no other traffic on the road. And we went, guys, if you just potter around at 20 miles an hour, we can zoom in between you at 45 and, and add a revving engine and, and it might sell that uh, you know we're maybe overtaking you at 60 or 70 or whatever so if you do watch that sequence at the end you will just see us overtaking the same cars <laughs> over and over again also a quite a funny thing was like we did a lot of filming where Elliot would be driving the Volvo and I would be following we stuck the yeah in another car we stuck a camera on the outside of the car and we'd get back and look at the rushes and we were like that car is like it's clearly empty there's there's just nobody in it it doesn't look like the guys are in there so we just got a bit of cardboard 
and we cut out like the silhouette of of Mike, who's like in the central console in the in the car, and painted it black, and we just we just stuck it in the car, and like when we shot it, you, you can see the silhouette, and it kind of just sells that there's someone in there rather than it's empty. So, yeah, lots of silly silly tricks really. But I I don't know. That's why I lo- I love the movie because it's it's all. Yeah, it is. It's all very homemade. I would have been more worried about like the camera breaking, like trying to get through. It's like it's like whenever you're on the set and you've got a camera, and it's like if anything like tips or anything, you're like, no, watch the camera, and you like dive and to go yeah, save we were, it. We were worried. Like it w- we shot the car, a lot of that car to car stuff before we'd filmed any of the the actors uh, in the movie. So we were really conscious of like you know getting home and going, ah, oh, where's the camera gone? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Back to the uh, kind of creative limitations. It reminds me a lot of 127 Hours, uh, where, you know, it's a guy trapped in a rock for like an hour and a half, and it's very, very difficult to kind of capture the emotion of that and, you know, keep people engaged for that amount of time. And I think you guys did an incredible job at doing that. Um, I mean, yeah, you had a little bit more, you know, you had a car, the guys could actually drive, uh, you had aliens, you had three characters um so yeah you had a little bit more but i feel like you succeeded a bit better personally just just my opinion but yeah that really matters thank you it's all right going off a very powerful message what um was said in the feature at documentary was about your dad when you guys decided to push on and to carry on and to use your love for filmmaking. I think that was really, like, inspirational. So, yeah, I just thought Thank it was you, very, very, very... Well, it's... um, Yeah, I mean, we all love movies, don't we? So we've all got our reasons for it, and our dad was a really big part of that. So this was, like... This was definitely his... Uh, for him and our mom, yeah. exactly the same. You know, she's always supported us and gone, yeah, if you want... Someone's going to do it. When you're older, someone will be making movies, so why don't, why don't you do it? It's like a conveyor belt people are going to drop off the end and stop making movies you've got to replace it so yeah it was uh it, it maybe you know it it, it was a, a period of our lives where we needed something to get lost in and cosmos kind of really helped us through that like it we, we could sink ourselves into it we talk about like being perfectionists and being stubborn about it like i think a lot of that is probably us just using that to to get through a difficult time really like focusing on these small things and not looking up too much so we owe a lot to the movie it's not just uh not just something that's hopefully going to help us with our career or help the guys with their careers but also like it's like part of us like it's very very personal so but thank you it's very kind of you to say i mean with filmmaking i think that's one thing what we all love about filmmaking as well like having that escapism because it's just escaping reality just for like two hours it just means you can just put all your worries to one side and then just get lost into any films mine's many disney films because like it's always a perfect world in Moana's disney films oh correct. yes <laughs> i could have a whole conversation oh. just about that film um but yeah i mean it's like i like watching films mainly just because of that escapism yeah. and i can just watch it ages and then get to the end of the film crying my eyes out because of Maui and all that jazz um but then and then I get back to reality and it's like oh god I've got to go back to the real world now it's like great yeah movies so are great exactly. they're good at that would you like to add yeah. anything yeah um Joshua Ford uh one of the cast members he was meant to be here tonight but unfortunately he was a little bit ill um, so, but he did say that he hopes um, we have a great time. Um, he mess- messaged me just before we came. Oh, on. that's nice. Um, that's and so I hope it all goes well. And I think it really has. I think one more question, and it's going to be the really cliche one. 
what message would you give to filmmakers? Because I know we've got like over a dozen here who uh, a couple of them have actually watched the film and have taken so much from it. So what kind of message would you give to these guys who uh, want to do what you do? Yeah, so a couple of things. I think the first one is like we said earlier, just get really analytical with like the movies that you like. Just focus on what that director or the DOP or the, what they're doing with the sound. Really look at it and copy it. Just Just copy it. Look at yours, look at theirs. Why is mine not like theirs? And then do it again and then do it again. And the other thing is like a, a, it's a bit of a cliche, but like don't don't stop. Like just, Cosmo, we had a premiere in Hollywood. We got theatrical release in the US in 10 cities. It's available all over the world. It's nuts, like it's mad. We made it in a friend's garage and in our bedroom. And like that happened. So stick with it make your movie whether it's a short film or a documentary a music video feature whatever don't don't stop don't stop yeah obviously i agree with everything xander said and i'd also say pick i mean you you might not take five years to make your film i hope it doesn't take you five years to make your film but you're going to spend a long time making it as you already know because you've done your own projects but projects are going to take a lot of your time so make sure you're doing something that you love because again, there was a time when Zandra and I were going, you know, what's hot? What should we, what what should we make? What do people like? People like horror, blah, blah, blah. blah. We're, we're scaredy cats, so I couldn't make a horror film to save my life. And we spent so long, just like, there were times when it was really hard. And I, I remember t we talked, we thanked, we were so thankful that we had picked something that we loved. Because if we were sitting there in the edit for nine months or in audio sound, post audio for 18 months going, God, know I really don't like this I've made this for someone because I think it's popular but it's not me I think that would have been it was hard anyway I think that would have been yeah no we wouldn't have finished it so whatever people tell you is popular or whatever people tell you is going to be good or what you should be doing or I think you should make this kind of movie I think you should do this kind of story do whatever it is that you want to do because you're the one that's got to make it in the end and you're the one that's got to live with it forever and look back on it and go oh god I'd don't not very proud of that or I'm really proud of that the people <laughs> that you meet will like see your genuine love for what you do and people often ask us like how did we get the actors to work for six 60 days with no money and it's like well we, we never asked them we just we literally just said here's the script up front there is no money and if that's not cool for you like we totally respect that people have to earn a living and they never once asked they were just like we're not we're not we're not here for that and they never, you know, we did night shoots, we worked, we kept calling them back for ADR and all sorts. They never once, they weren't there for that reason. And so we don't know how to get access to work for no money because we, we never crossed that bridge. They just wanted to be involved because they loved acting as much as we love filmmaking. And I think if the passion is real and all that Hollywood stuff, it, it, is, it, does, it is for real though and it will, will count for something. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. It's been absolutely amazing and inspiring hearing about everything what you've done and good luck on your future productions. Thank you very much. And thank you for having us. Thank you everyone for coming here tonight. I hope you all enjoyed it. And um, thank you to Callum for organising it all and everything. So no, yeah, massive round of applause, please. <laughs>